Grace and peace is ours to give us joy in this hope of a Christ who raises the dead. Amen. Nothing eviscerates our soul more than grief. And if you live long enough, and we have, you will be split apart by the grief of the loss of people very close to you. Or it'll be facing the end of your own life, which will always feel like it's too early. It, um, when I say it eviscerates you, what I mean is it, it cuts you deep, deep in your soul and makes you question many assumptions that you've made, even about yourself and your own trust in God, and puts you on a lonely island often that makes you not want to talk about it too much, but you can't really sort it out because as you deeply grieve over the loss and the intrusion and the change that won't ever go back to the way it was, you will deeply question God. And I'll just say, if you don't, you're either not really processing it or you have a special gift of faith. There is a special gift, spiritual gift. But for the normal Christian, grief over the loss of a, a, a very close person will teeter on the cliff of a crisis in what you believe. And it will challenge you at your deepest core about things of God. Because if God loved me, why would he take this person away? And if he loved them, why would he let them suffer so much? And if, since so many other people who seem to live less faithful than me have lived with their loved ones so much longer, what, why is God being so unfair? And the list gets a much longer than what I've just described. And I say all of that to prepare you for what you're about to hear because John recorded the true events of Jesus and his best friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, that in his, you know, his life on earth was very short, 33 years, but in his short life lived perfectly. He lived it to the full, including entering our experience of grief. And while he's in the middle of our experience of grief, he fixed it. And what we get to do today as grieving people is we get to let this story help us sort it out. That's what I want you to do as you look at Jesus at the grave of Lazarus with Mary and Martha. Let Jesus help you sort out your grief. And as a pastor, there's a, I know there's a few people here that aren't grieving so deeply. I hope when you do grieve, de- grieve deeply, you'll remember there was a sermon back there about this and you'll go and find it because we saved them. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were siblings. As it were, when they met Jesus and Jesus met them, they lived together in their houses. We hear nothing about a husband to the two women or a wife for Lazarus. We can only assume without interventive medicine they have lost them. Maybe they had never been married. But they were people of means. They were also people of deep, deep faith. And Jesus and those three who were all three outside of his 12 apostles, those had a very close relationship. We will not 
know until heaven just how intimate and close and personal that it was. But we can tell that there's something there, big, because he went to their house often and he was at their house during the week before he died as a place of solace and rest in Bethany. Also, he was, at, he was willing to bring all of his disciples to their house and let them entertain or take care of them for a meal, right? And he made sure he taught them, as a, those three siblings, the deeper truths of the faith. And this man, Jesus, had very little private time for anyone, and yet he would give it to them, and Mary would sit at his feet, and Martha would be in the kitchen, and he would be begging Martha to come and listen to what he said. And when you hear what Martha says to Jesus here, you know she's been listening all along. They've had a lot of time together. And Jesus is away right before this story. It's all in John 11. He's not, he's not thousand miles away, but he's a, a day or two's walk away. And Lazarus becomes violently ill. And Mary and Martha send a message to Jesus, somebody on foot that takes off running to find him. The one that you love is sick. And Jesus gets the message. And when you get a message that someone you dearly love is sick, and you know they're asking Jesus because he's the healer, you'd think that the love and the relationship and the ability to help would make him jump up and run over there. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, we're going to stay right here. This will not end in death. And then the message comes, Lazarus has died. And Jesus said, I'm going to go now. We're going to go and wake him up. And the disciples thought, well, maybe he's really not dead. He's just asleep. And Jesus just said, no, Lazarus is dead. But I'm going to show you the glory of God. And they walk, and it's now four days when he gets there, and that's when we come into the story. And these are three, there are three truths I want you to see as you watch Jesus work with this family that help you sort out your grief also. So if you will, let's look at the first paragraph. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, And that means there were lots of Jews around. And so many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. The news has already spread. He is dead, cold, clammy, gone, buried. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Can you see the crisis in her faith? You know, faith is just not knowing God can. It's knowing that God wants to or that God loves you enough to do it as well. Lord, we sent the message. We were frantic. You had time to get here. If you had been here, he would not have died. Raw critique. Love, faith, real. This is real. And it's real when we have a loved one who's sick unto death or that dies. It doesn't have to be this way. I can remember when my father was passing 
and I did, we didn't know if this was it or not, and you're in denial and you don't want it to happen. The doctor pulls me out of the room because no other family members were there at the moment. He was making his rounds, and he said, your father's breathing 48 times a minute. He's not going to last very long. Your father is dying. I really, at the moment, that it was an odd feeling. I wanted to kick the doctor right in the shins. How dare he say that about my father? That's that swirl of emotion and love and denial. I don't want to lose this person. Where were you, Lord? And it feels like God went, fell asleep and wasn't paying attention. And Jesus is God and he's your friend, see? If you'd have been here. Here's the point. Look at the, the background that I gave you that's not in this text, but it's in the story in chapter 11. He had been told. He told his disciples he was waiting. He had a reason, and he can, he can take it that she acts like he's not paying attention. He lets her have her critique. He doesn't upbraid her for it. He knew. And he knows. He knows when you lose your loved one, when it catches you off guard, when it's against your desire, He knows deeply how it affects everyone. Just like a parent knows how the discipline that they bring on is painful for the child, but they hold their hand steady at that wheel. He knows. Don't let yourself have a crisis in believing that there's even a God, because it can happen. Well, there must not even be a God. This must all be a big made-up thing just to comfort us, because it seems like he's not even awake. Because any thinking person would do it the way I'm asking him to, right? Lord, if you'd have been here, if you'd have been on your game, he wouldn't have died. No, no, Jesus knows. Now, that's only part of sorting it out, really. I mean, a very small part, in fact. Because if he knows, I still have a lot of things that I'm in crisis about. Then why did you let it happen if you love us? Remember, the one you love is sick. They played that card. And he really did love Lazarus. It was evident. Do do you really love him or you'd have shown up when we sent the message? I mean, Lord, okay, so you know my loved one is passing or I am sick unto death, but do you really love me? Well, watch what happens. He's right in the middle of this story with his loved ones. Let's, Let's read on. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, now, she's been taught. Remember, she's the one that was in the kitchen, that one story when Mary was at his feet. And, you, you know, it's just a snapshot, but then we'll, like, think that she never listened to Jesus. She listened to Jesus all the time. That was one bad day. But she had many good days with Jesus. And she is a, a very knowledgeable Christian. Look what she says. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. This is kind of like the pastor coming by the side of someone who's deeply grieving over the loss of their spouse. And he says, oh, be of good cheer. She will rise at the last day. Martha's going, I I know he'll rise at the last day, but it's not really what I want to hear right now. He's dead. And you could have done something about it. And so she's thinking, you know, don't, don't think that's great comfort, Jesus. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. 
And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? The idea that she would get a special gift of Lazarus being raised from the dead that day was still completely foreign to her mind. And why wouldn't it be? Because it's very, very rare in the history of the world that anybody gets raised from the dead. Don't think the Bible's just chucked full of them. That story we had from the Old Testament is only one of two of people being raised from the dead in the entire Old Testament era. And in the New Testament, Jesus only raised three in his ministry that we know about. And then we've got Peter doing one and maybe Paul, and then that's about it. So don't think that, that the expectation is if you believe your brother will get, Jesus will visit your funeral and your brother will get raised. That's not what Jesus is saying. However, he is going to raise Lazarus that day. So Martha's in a very good place and she says, he says to her, do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. I don't have a crisis in believing who you are and that you're the Savior of the world. I'm grieving over the fact that you let Lazarus die. And she had, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him, out on the road. When the Jews, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Nobody thinks that Jesus is out there from that group or that he's about to do something. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said exactly what she and her sister had been repeating in their grief over and over again. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is a a relationship in crisis, and they deeply love each other. Jesus loves them, and they love Jesus. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, what does it say there? Look at the line. He was what? Deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Do not think that Jesus was this above humanity floating around in this aura of electricity all around him where he didn't feel what we feel. He was deeply experiencing all of the grief, all of the pain, all of the loss with them. And he was deeply moved. And he had been the one that had waited. Just like a parent who dearly loves that child, lets them go through it without rescuing them. And they're, they're, it's killing the parent inside. Deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the, what people think is the shortest verse in the Bible. There's actually in Job, there's a verse, it's and he. But Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? Remember, John's writing this. He had said how they sent the message, the one you love is sick. Then it says, see how you loved him? And John says, I've left it out, but John says in, earlier in the chapter, Jesus loved Lazarus, Mary, and Martha deeply. So then he says, see how he loved him, the crowd says. But some of them said, wait a minute, that's a crisis. If he loves him, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Second point for a grieving person. He doesn't just know 
but He deeply feels for you and He deeply loves you. God knows the way He's letting every one of our lives unravel. He knows and He loves. This man, Jesus, is weeping and broken as a human being walking the earth who's the Savior of the world. He's not going to repress the pain of living through the loss of human life on a world that is creaking and groaning to its end. He loves us. When you're sorting out your grief and you're wondering if God loves you when he allowed you to experience such loss, look at this story and say, I know he loves me. You say, well, there was a special love there and it showed itself and then he's about to raise Lazarus. Just, Just wait a minute. Why did Jesus let this family go through this loss at this time when he knew Lazarus was going to get to live longer, right? Lazarus and Mary and Martha died eventually, just like we will, but that was down the road. Why did he let them go through this incredible experience? Before the story starts and at the end of the story, you see it's because he wanted the rest of the world to know that he loved all people. You see, when he says to Martha earlier, he says to her, do you, uh, do you believe your, 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 your brother's going to rise again? Do you believe this? And she says, I believe he'll rise again at the last day, at the resurrection. Not everyone believes what she said. Not many people believe what she said. And not Many people believe that the reason people are going to rise from the dead is because of Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe that the reason people are going to rise from the dead is because of Jesus Christ, you can believe in a resurrection and go to hell yourself. Every moment of this man's life was to to reach as many people as possible that the Savior of the world is here. And so what he was doing was loving you and me by making them go through this. Because what happened is this story that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world came out. Which brings us to the third point. If he, loves, if he knows and he loves us, but he doesn't fix it, well, we're not that much better off than the rest of the world. And what he proved by raising Lazarus that day was that he can take a stinking, rotting body that by the fourth day has all the gases blowing it up and oozing out of orifices, and he can clean it up with a word and raise it from the dead and make it walk out of the grave as alive as you and I are right here after we've had our Sunday morning shower. That's Jesus Christ. He wants that proclaimed. There's a crowd coming out of Jerusalem. Where are they going to kill him in just a couple of weeks? Jerusalem. There is a crowd around this prominent family. This is a great moment for the Messiah to show the world that he's the Savior. So watch what happens. Let's read it. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a, strong, with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Now, Martha is still in normal mode, right? That's my brother in there. 
We did all that we were supposed to do. We don't want this huge embarrassment. Um, We're not just going to let you see the body. He stinks by now, Jesus. She says, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been dead four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you... Now, this is, a, this is the passage that makes me preach so uh, vehemently what I just said a few seconds ago about him wanting the whole world to know. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. So I'm not saying thank you because I was worried. But I said, I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they would what? Believe that you sent me. What people? Remember the story in the paragraph before? A crowd, not just Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, but a crowd around them. I want them to believe that you sent me. Why? If you don't believe that God sent his son to save the world, you will go to hell. I want people to know that you sent me. So this is what he says. He called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, the guys had moved the stone probably, take the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. He doesn't stink. He doesn't look bad. He just has the linen on him. It's glorious. It's amazing. And look what it says in the next verse. This shows you the meaning of this whole story. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you know the writer is saying, this is what all of this has been printed, therefore. It's therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary, remember I said that? And had seen what Jesus did. Read those three words with me. Believed in him. Come on believed in him we have a crisis of faith often when we're grieving and jesus wants to come to the person who's having a crisis in their faith and say i know i love and i fix it and i want you to put your faith in me so you can say with martha in the face of your loss i know that he'll rise in the end and i will rise in the end and everything will be fixed That's what that song is that we had sung between the readings. It was very carefully chosen for today, even though we're going to sing it at Easter sunrise. I will rise. There's a peace that I've come to know. It's in my heart while I grieve. I've lost both my parents, my sister, and I counted 20 people close to me in the last three years. And I know what? I will rise. And you will rise too. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. And when you read a story like this with Jesus in it, that's what he wants you to take from it. One last thought. God said no to Jesus in Gethsemane so that Jesus would save other people. Jesus said no to Mary and Martha when they sent a message to him to heal Lazarus before he died because Jesus wanted to save other people. So when Jesus says no to you and me, when we pray that he not take a loved one away, 
Remember in His perfect timing, everything is so that you and He together with your life would also save other people. So at that crisis of faith, remember there's a devil there whispering in your ear, don't believe, curse God. Don't even believe that He's there. And, he, and Jesus wants you to rise up and say, I know that you're the Messiah. I know that we all rise at the last day. And I do live in hope, even though I have a deep grief. I also have a deep faith in a God who saved us. And you let your life, even in your grief, be a gift to other people like Jesus did. Amen.